It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. Hello, my name is Dave Hanratty and there will be no encore. Welcome to the second episode of the No Encore podcast. I'm joined, as ever, by Craig Fitzpatrick. As ever. It's been a long relationship, as ever. It? Yeah. We're back, baby. <laughs> Number two. The bloodening. And, uh, and Cullen O'Regan. The best eight days of my life. It's been terrific, hasn't it? Um, I guess the first thing to say is thank you. Thank you so much to everyone who's listened to the first episode. Uh, we've had we've had incredible positive feedback from people. A lot of people have shared the episode as well. Uh, we didn't have to go and you know send them private messages or you know threaten them. They just kind of were like people really got involved. Um, I, th- I thought it was a really fun episode. Uh, the feedback has been very very strong. I got a train on the way over here, and Killian Murphy was on the platform, and I, I can only presume he's a listener as well. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't want to bother him. Yeah, but um, Killian is a big listener. I assume. Hey, hey man, how's it going? I thought you were excellent in Sunshine in particular, and that's a really good movie. Didn't see it, but I'll get around to it now. It's very good. And we should also obviously say thank you as well to Overhead the Albatross, who were terrific guests. Very good, yeah. And they released their video for Indie Rose, which is the new single. Uh, have you watched it? I have, yeah, it's great. I haven't. Oh, oh, Jesus. You're in for a treat. Like, you can't, you can't, they were our guests, man. I know, I know, right? <laughs> I think it's still that craven and gutless Vinnie Casey. Yeah, 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 Vinnie Casey, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, to be fair. said about that guy, yeah, the better. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Vinnie Watch, he's still craven and gutless. <laughs> so that's for him. Hang on, you're a music journalist. You write news stories all, all the day. How, how, how could you? All the live long day. All the live long day. <laughs> Every day he's writing. My time in the office this week has been uh, compromised slightly. 
by uh, a physical ailment. Do you want to talk get about into it? it? Yeah. Do you want to talk about it? We'll just briefly say that I took a slip on Sunday and now I can't sit down very comfortably. Are you alright now? I'm okay. Yeah, Best weekend of his life. <laughs> Head stuff seems to have some very, very forgiving chairs. There's a, one of those uh, big giant exercise balls in the corner. Maybe that'd be a better speed for you. Uh, not sure. Okay. That That's kind of more well. an episode three type It probably is. Well, look, it? the point is, when you finally get around to it, Indie Rose is an excellent song, but the video's terrific. The video's like, it's really fucking good. Like, I'm not just going like, oh yeah, they're, you know, they're our mates, so yeah. you know. But there's an adorable baby in it. Um, yeah, there's a guy getting the shit out of him at yeah. one point. Dublin you know? looks pretty cool. Dublin looks great. Uh, the band also awesome. make kind of cool little Hitchcock-style cameos. Yes, yeah. yes, indeed. Vinny is unfortunately in the video, but you know, like, <laughs> what can you do? Raven. But uh, no, again, seriously, honestly, like, uh, thank you, thank you so much to everyone who listened to the first episode and said nice things. Uh, please, if you liked it, like, please drop a review on iTunes and give us a rating because that kind of thing actually matters. It actually bumps up the podcast. And we had a good, we had a really good first day. Actually, we uh, we kicked Noel Gallagher into touch. Yeah, he won't be happy. He won't. But we, we, we I think we were second only to Graham Norton. But to be fair, you know, that's fine. That's yeah. an okay place to be. I'm alright. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he, he's we like Graham. I like Graham. Get him on the pod. Get him on the pod. If you're listening, Graham, and Killian Murphy, we can do it together. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I guess, uh, so Cullum took a bad fall. Uh, I went to see At The Drive-In. Uh, that was fucking great. Yeah. It's clear you had the better weekend there. Yeah, I, I think I had the better weekend. I was I was terrified about that gig. I was thinking it was going to be terrible. I was like, you know, reunion shows are always very, very dangerous territory. The Pixies were very good in the Olympia. Smashing Pumpkins in the RDS in 2008 was the worst gig I've ever been to, hands down. Uh, this was honestly, genuinely like it was the year 2000 and the retouring well. relationship of Command. Uh, five Kerrang Ks out of five. It was fucking brilliant. <laughs> I couldn't get over how much energy they had, how cool they were, how everything sounded. The crowd were brilliant. Actually, at one point I was thinking the crowd were very, 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 very well behaved. Almost too well behaved. Yeah. And just at that moment, two lads with their shirts off started kicking the shit out of each other. Perfect. That's what you want. We don't condone that, but... You That's know. not what you want. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, a, it was a fantastic gig. So, uh, yeah, uh, like uh, anyone who's going to catch them on their tour is very, very lucky indeed. Yeah. It's exactly where you want at that sort of moment because I know one one area that I've seen that is kind of like these DJ revivals and stuff like that, basically trying to recapture club nights of 10 and 20 years ago. Never quite works. Kind of well, thing. especially not because, you know, the kind of wild clubbers of their 20s have turned into, you know, like and, accountants yeah. and HR managers in their 30s. And yeah, yeah the behaviour doesn't quite compare, like I say, for better or worse, but it certainly uh, loses some of the magic. So good to hear that uh, At The Drive-In didn't. Didn't throw that away. Yeah, and I've said they were kind of a band that passed me by, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, because people that are into them are really into them. So it sounds like the kind of gig that maybe I should have been at, because it sounds like one of those that okay, now it makes sense why they were such an important. I think part so. Of people's I lives mean, I'm not gonna, then. I'm not gonna pretend to have been a hardcore fan of yeah, them. I always yeah. liked them quite a lot. I thought, I think, relationship, or relationship of command is a spectacular album. Um, but that really brought it home, and I was just like, it was, it was amazing. Like I, I just had a massive grin on my face for the first few songs because I was just like, oh, it's not just a shit. Did you look insane? <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but the singer was too busy ripping his fucking mic stand out of the ground and throwing out hand. Uh, I was about to say, oh, it was actually well, throwing out Star Wars spoilers. Oh, but if anyone hasn't seen The Force Awakens, I almost spoiled it for you. But I'm sure pretty much everyone's seen it that by, by now. I think one of the worst gigs that I've ever been to, and I'm sure these sort of stories are going to be coming up again and again on this podcast. Was a uh, ocean color scene? We're making a bit of a comeback. Up, but they're always way. they're always great. Man. But yeah. No, but with an acoustic tour. That's what you want. And uh, it, stripping the classics back. Yeah. Now, frankly, this crowd hadn't lost the original fervor, but um, frankly, didn't really understand what an unplugged tour means <laughs> or yeah. what a gig means when you know the guitars are not plugged in and there isn't a full band there. It's two guys playing acoustics with the whole crowd screaming, roaring, throwing beer at each other. Right. Unimpressive right. evening. 
Oh, man. Jesus Christ. Where was this? This was in Cork, like, I would say about six or seven years ago. Why now. were you there? Why? Yeah. Just because I lived in Cork and there's a <laughs> hell of a, yeah, okay. a lot else to do on a Tuesday. Frank Walters weren't playing that weekend. <laughs> <To> oh, be... <laughs> Take that, lads. Well, to, to be fair, by the way, like if Ocean Colour Scene were looking for a good gig, I think a Radio X listener party might be the place to go. Seamless. Seamless linking. <laughs> Segway. Well, no, because there was this poll brought out this week. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I think I read Q Magazine for maybe a decade too long, so I'm well used to these kind of lists and polls, and they're always ridiculous, but this kind of took the biscuit. Yeah, Radio X seems to be the hot news station yeah. in the UK, and it's like, they had a thing where, like, you know, they had 50,000 listeners cast votes on this poll, Yeah, uh, and they also apparently consulted some bands and artists as well. Uh, Liam Gallagher was, was consulted, he chose Jumping Jack Flash by the Rolling Stones, and that track didn't make the top 100. So you know, Liam's just really not. In He's touch. not with it anymore now. But he'll take Fall a apart. lot of. He'll take a lot of. You know, a lot of that kind of gloss will still will be there when he realises that Oasis are in the top four of yeah. the of the top five. Well, I don't think I'd be happy actually because number one is Wonderwall and he hates that song. As does Noel. I think Noel <laughs> likes the Ryan Adams version, but the two of them are kind of united on that Wonderwall is just a stupid meaningless song that we didn't even record properly, kind of thing. But no, it's number one. For a quick blast, for anyone who hasn't seen the list yet, it's Wonderwall at number one, Don't Look Back in Anger, number two, Champagne Supernova, number three, Live Forever, number four. Then another band comes along and ruins that. <laughs> uh, and it's a massive jump in, in genre with the Stone Roses and I on the Resurrection. Oh. Arctic Monkeys, Bet You Look Good in the Dance Floor. Oh. David Bowie has two heroes, Life on Mars. It's the Vervid, Bittersweet Symphony. Uh, that's... and. The Rolling Stones give me shelter. That's the top 10. Elsewhere in the top 20, you've got the Beatles, you've got Pulp, the Smiths, Oasis again, the Stone Roses Elbow again, one the Smiths day like this. again, That's the a fucking Beatles again. <laughs> let's, just, let's just bring this yeah, podcast to a screeching of, halt. Yeah. I was actually just going to say, I, I forgot it was there. I was going to say... It's not highlighted on your <laughs> list and like red. I was, yeah, it like embedded into my skin. I was going to say that uh, I think Bittersweet Symphony by the Verve is a great song. It is. It's a classic. Uh, it's a shame that they don't make any money from it because um, I believe yeah. the Rolling Stones. And actually the sample isn't the kind of the hook, the kind of orchestral hook it's apparently just the underpinning of it so it's it's even a, it's like a tiny segment of that song is this you know adapted version of a pretty crappy Rolling Stone song and they just get all the credit now Jesus to be fair there's quite a bit on this list that I won't say kind of objectively are bad songs it's just Tired. so wildly the same thing over and over and over yeah mm-hmm. I mean, this is a radio station that has, like, Chris Moyles and Vernon Kay on it. Um, so I don't know if they're really at the cutting edge. Uh, I thought it was kind of interesting that they kind of gave the breakdown of who voted. And it was two-thirds female, which struck me as weird for the radio station, just because it seems totally lad. 1995 was the kind of pinnacle of music and Britpop. And it, that just struck me as a strange one. But, yeah, it's a it's a very kind of tired list. and. One um, thing that it does no do is that if if you work if you if you work in marketing or advertising or something, this is a dream. This a, is a, the, a terrible, terrible dream. No, no, this is the most incredibly defined demographic you can possibly this, imagine. Yeah. It's just like what type of a listener or what type of music do our listeners like? This, this is what they like. About five <laughs> bands, play them on repeat, and they'll keep coming. It is true, yeah. Um, at least Slideaway's on the list. That's probably Oasis' best song. I was surprised that one was on there. Yeah, that yeah. was kind of almost like, you know, like, oh, let's go for a deep cut yeah, in Oasis. Yeah. But uh, no, the Elba song, trash, absolute trash. Pub band. What an Olympics, though. It was great, wasn't Fuck it? Fuck off. Glorified pub <laughs> band. I fucking hate them. Um, terrible song. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Tell me. Tell, like, am I wrong? 
I never really got into them. I think I had one of the records and it just kind of sat on the shelf. Um, that song, yeah, it's just overplayed to the point of I can't even give a verdict on it anymore. No, I wouldn't be an Abba fan, but I've nothing against them because I just don't know their stuff. It is massively overplayed, but at the same time, I guess, yeah, like it's kind of tailor-made for those sort of montages and stuff like that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so, totally, yeah. You know, yeah. if that's what they were going for, congratulations it's, to it's them. Those but you were saying... You were saying, Craig, that you, like you don't really share the outrage for this poll because you you know because it's it's, it's it so happens every fucking isn't year, it? doesn't it? Yeah, like I, I guess just because it's so heavily stacked for one artist, it's a bit remarkable. I mean, I mean Oasis are still so popular; they've been away for what? It's got to be five years now, more probably. More. I think it's more. way more. Yeah, um, okay. you think they'd be due a bit of a lull before the inevitable kind of reunion in whatever ten years or something when they start to run out of money? But you'd no. figure. But you mentioned Q Magazine, yeah, and every time they do the best album ever, it might as well have just been called which Radiohead. Album album do you like this year yeah yeah you usually have yeah okay computer bends never mind's usually there definitely maybe it's usually there it's kind of very very predictable um so yeah and it seems so is uh radio x yeah um <laughs> if you're listening to tuning some, in yeah if you're choosing to listen to something in. and i also won't, not it. i also won't be tuning into the new stone roses album or whatever's gonna happen no. there because by the way i am the resurrection's a terrible song it's not good and that album is brilliant but that is so tired I was about to say, there's quite a few other tunes you could take from yeah. that they used to, like, every time I'd go to Wheelands on a Saturday night when I was young and vibrant and I still had energy in me and hopes and this dreams. This is not the podcast for that. They, yeah, they used to end the night with I Am The Resurrection nearly every bloody weekend, and it was terrible. We know the DJs there. They're friends of ours. <laughs> I'll just say it to their face. It's just, no, come on, lads. Jesus. Um, but yeah, new Stone Roses material, couldn't care less. I mean, just... What if um, all of those bands that are still with us there we're on the same festival bill would you go to that or would you rather go to Glastonbury oh. which uh, which uh, my link wasn't as good as Collins no, uh, which annou- okay. announces lineup and yet again it's equally as beige really isn't it it's very very beige um, Adele you've got Coldplay back there and it just it seems like really lads I like when Coldplay play at a uh, festivals because that's when you on Twitter get really annoyed. Uh, like, yeah, was, I think the Super Bowl in particular was just like, why are they even there? They what just, was it? You had a good line about their uh, their aesthetic. What was it again? What was it? I can't even. You're like, remember. when did Coldplay sure decide that their golden. aesthetic was fucking neon spray paint all the time? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like that's the look we're going for. We've had nothing for a decade, and we stumbled upon like neon spray paint, and was like, we're set. I this remember. It, um, I remember Chris Martin did an interview on uh, Howard Stern before. And he was there in the studio, and, the, and it was—I think it was around the time he had his conscious uncoupling, yeah. or at least that was brewing. And the camera was like, was like it was a video thing, so the camera was focused on him, and he was like, it was kind of like you could see the top of him, and like just from the chest up, I suppose. And Howard Stern was really grilling him, and he was like, "Come on, Chris, yeah. tell us what's really going on." And then Chris was like, "Look, man, I'm just here to play a few songs and promote the record. Like, I don't really want to talk about my personal life." And Howard was having none of it. He was like, "You know, come on, what, what, you know, what's going on with Gwyneth? Where is she? Tell me all about it." <laughs> Where and like is she? this, this, <laughs> this, Where is she? This, <laughs> this kept happening, and then eventually Chris Martin like put his hands out and went, "Look, can we?" just be serious and i don't know if this was stunning direction or a trick of the, or, or just like a happy accident okay yeah, but the yeah. the camera then gave us a full length shot of chris martin and he's sitting at his fucking uh, neon paint strewn piano oh, wearing like all s- pinks and blues yeah, yeah. and he's like can we just be serious <laughs> howard and i was like oh man middle-aged man yeah <laughs> i don't hate coldplay i think no, people, neither do I. people hate them I, I, I don't hate them although i mean i must say i was as unimpressed with that super bowl show but in particular because they made that awful mistake of inviting beyonce yeah and then trying Even to follow beyonce bruno mars as well it's just yeah like, exactly bruno mars doing like probably the best song last year yeah. one of them anyway and then beyonce <coughs> just being beyonce the worst decisions since pippa middleton was allowed to wear white basically um meow 
No, <laughs> that's not meowing against her. It was a real mistake in her sister's part. Yeah, yeah. she's still the spotlight. This is true. Yeah, but it was just that case of like Coldplay always downplay their stuff and they're just like oh we're just nice guys really and we know we're not the best like remember they, they used to say you know we're the kind of diet coke to Radiohead's Coca-Cola that was their kind of that's line a terrible for, terrible yeah. line that was their line for ages and with this it just seemed it went so far that they were just like we shouldn't even be at our own show you know we should just have better kind of pop stars here because we're not pop stars we just do anthems man so it was just like oh god I, I, I maintain that you can make you can make a great Coldplay record out of like if you go you through can, all yeah. them uh, the last album was absolutely terrible though and kind of mark the end of them as any kind of the most career. recent one with kind of that terrible video for with, with the, the breakdancing monkeys yeah, yeah break the kind of real product placement with the beats you have to thing. say it's oh, impressive shocking. that they got the monkeys to do all that stuff it was very it? good yeah. Yeah, yeah it looked very realistic <laughs> um, but yeah Adele Adele I'll, I'll never play a gigantic stadium show ever in my life and now I'm headlining Glastonbury I kind of say fair who gives a shit people are, yeah. like, people are like you lied to us Adele I think absolutely it gives a shit listen to be perfectly honest if that's the greatest sort of pop star reversal the people are going to have to deal with in their lives then they are going to be charmed yeah yeah and it, I think it's more the case I can't ever see I don't know what her tour dates are maybe she is doing a massive world tour but it just struck me as it takes a lot for her to psych herself up for shows She can't. it's not that she can't do a show yeah. it's just that she's never going to be someone that's away for 10 months that would just completely stress her out but she can do shows she can perform she's, but also you know, I say this every single year uh, people are getting annoyed about Glastonbury whether you're going to or whether like me you're sitting home watching on TV and giving a fuck about the BBC's terrible coverage like, who the fuck needs to see Gemma Carney having an amazing time yet again at a fucking <laughs> circus like go away um, every year every year same deal but anyone like, like you know the way I say it is this especially if you're going there it's the size of a fucking small town yeah, you'll find you something go, to you do you go for Glastonbury or something, go you know? CM83 that, yeah and that that's why it's Sold out months before they yeah, started in October and half go an see, hour. Like, go and see Savages. Like you know, like, yeah. like you can absolutely find something to do as you can with every festival. There will be something. And what's more, I mean, even when you look at sort of what was sort of underwhelming people about the Glastonbury lineup there, even if you look down a couple of rows, and I mean LCD Sound System. Now, to be fair, if that was announced before the full confirmation at Christmas that yeah, we're getting back together, there's going to be new music, blah blah blah. Yeah, that would have blown people's minds. People are writing off performers like PJ Harvey, who's like straight up headlining festivals all over Europe this summer. Yeah. Um, Grimes, who I think Dave and I both agree was on course for kind of a gig of the year performance. I still, think even, I still think even with what we got, it's up there with the gigs of the year. It's close well. enough so far. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's not too bad. I think the main thing right now, though, is that when you see the amount of rumours on social media and stuff like that, it's the realisation that no festival is actually ever going to have all the bands you wanted to be playing there. So yeah. it's always going to be a disappointment. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, and it says more about, to look forward to it for the future yeah, kids. Yeah, like it says more about how big Glastonbury is when you consider, like it's it's every year it's just debate about whether the headliners are the right headliners, whether it's, you know, Jay-Z shouldn't be hip-hop at Glastonbury or it's, you know, shouldn't be metal at Glastonbury when Metallica did it or shouldn't have... Coldplay because they're a bit shit you know it's, it's the same question all the time or indeed yeah you shouldn't have Kanye as yeah. happened last yeah. year and uh, last year when all the Tarquins and the Sophies got pissed off about Kanye <laughs> fuck off the shangri la guys um, mentioning yeah. Kanye though uh, we, yeah. we have to have Craig in, 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 a, in a, this is going to be a running series An of update. Craig Craig on do, Kanye <laughs> do, no, well no it's more Craig have you remembered to cancel Tidal yet <laughs> yeah, have you remembered to cancel no. how but much I, money have Tidal got out of you now at this stage I believe actually they extended the trial 
I'm I'm hoping they did because it was 20 quid because I thought, okay, I'm going to sign up for this free subscription. I'm going to go for the hi-fi lossless version. Just really, you know, treat my eardrums. Um, So I was like, yeah, whatever, the 20 quid version. But then I just forgot to cancel it. But I think it's been extended in fairness. I saw some people say that I haven't checked uh, my account, um, but I will be cancelling it at the end of this month because I can't tell the difference between the kind of lossless stuff on title and my Spotify account and the selection isn't really that great. It's nice hearing Prince. That's good. Um, but no, just, I will be cancelling it, but haven't as yet. The funny thing as well, though, looking at the title releases or press releases over the past little while, say 250 million streams of Kanye's oh, The Life, the of, Life Pablo. of Pablo. Yeah, uh, it's pretty extraordinary. I think The weekend got something like 60 million, so it just totally dwarfs that. So it's clearly worked for them. But to me, it seems wrong. Those numbers. Yeah, I mean, you're probably looking at, I mean, it's not going to be the album plays the straight whole way through. They're counting every individual track every time it's been played now. Yeah, well, I guess so. They must be. I mean, put it this way, right? They have three million paying subscribers. Yeah. Now, I know, obviously, they have a ton more who have you done some maths? for free. <laughs> I've, I've done maths, Craig. <laughs> because every paying subscriber would need to listen to that album 25 times a day for 10 days straight. Sounds about right, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been, yeah, I've definitely well gone over that uh, yeah but um, what's more I mean you're included as one of those paying customers and even <laughs> that's a bit of a statistical anomaly so it is I imagine plenty of people will back out if they're they're saying Kanye is responsible for 3 million subscribers or something crazy like that um, how many will they have in April I'd say very few um, and they're just like I mean on 3 million subscribers I think Spotify at the moment has it's passed over 30 million mm-hmm. um, they just got investment of like another billion uh, dollars, something like that. So they're just dwarfing the competition. Uh, even Apple Music, I think, in the nine months uh, since it's come out, Apple got something like 11 million total. Spotify still added something like 10, so they're not even being slowed down by the likes of Apple Music. So, title, yeah, very much the, the runt of the litter. Well, I feel like at this point in the podcast, we need to make a, a, a formal apology to Andrew Duffy and to Sean Conroy, listeners of the first episode, who said they liked it, liked what they heard, but didn't want to hear us talk about Kanye anymore. Oh, really? Yeah, so, you know, like... So like, no Craig on Kanye? No, uh, <laughs> weekly segment. Yeah, I was um, hoping so. Well, you know, like, if he keeps tweaking this album... Well, this is the thing, but... Kanye this, Corner. By that, the time this podcast is out, we'll know if he's kind of been, keep, you know, telling the truth, because he said it was going to be a title exclusive. There's plenty of rumours saying that Friday which will have passed, he's kind of releasing it on Spotify. Tracks have been slipping out on different platforms. So it seems like it really was a case of he just, you know, went over his deadline as opposed to this thing we talked about last week of it being a kind of living, breeding art exhibition. Fair enough. I think that's... <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I hope people are still listening to us. Fair enough. I just wonder sometimes, like, how miserable is your life that you have to focus on negative things, that you just can't enjoy things? Um, but yeah. I guess people... Don't want us talking about Kanye, and that's fair enough. Tastes change, tastes differ. <laughs> um, one person that, frankly, most of us don't want to talk about, but it seems like all of us end up doing, is uh, Chris Brown. Yeah. Who's hit the headlines again. Yeah, and uh, of course, it's not for good news, because the guy doesn't do that, does he? Um, I think at this point... We should all be fairly unanimous in this. Uh, he's a fucking scumbag, uh, which should surprise absolutely nobody. But uh, yeah. yeah, he's uh, he's come under fire for mocking uh, the singer Kelani uh, yeah. after reports emerged that she allegedly tried to commit suicide. 
Uh, she posted a photo on her Instagram, and Colin, you've been kind of following this story, if you want to... Yeah, a little bit. Uh, but no, more to the point, I've been following basketball and rubbish basketball blogs that have kind of pulled me into the saga of, of dating and basketball and all the rest of it. Wow. Um, next week, we're going to have why Iggy Azalea looks like breaking up with a bloke because of a secretly recorded video in a dressing room. No way. But, um, but for this week, yeah, it's um, Kyrie Irving is engaged to Kalani, this uh, and b singer. And she has very distinctive hand tattoos, which meant that when a guy posted a photo of him just just watching TV or something, but with her hand in the shot, oh, social media blew drama. up and said, oh, she's cheating. And yeah, it obviously came with the typical sort of vitriol and all that that social media does these days. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it, it seems then, to have resulted in a suicide attempt. Yeah. And Chris Brown. then uh, resulted in Chris, Chris Brown. Chris Brown disputed that on Twitter. Weighing in. Uh, one of his main tweets, he said, there is no attempting suicide. You're just doing shit for sympathy, <laughs> so them comments under your pictures don't look so bad. Yeah. Um, uh, I think he called what she was doing flexing for the gram. This was a shot of her with an IV drip in her, like, hospital bed. So, yeah, flexing for the gram. But apparently he was just riding for his homies because he's mates with this Kyrie guy. Yeah, he was just um, Who's come out mates. and said all that nonsense. They were on a break and he wished her kind of recovery and said to just drop all this stuff because, you know, really care about that. But, you know, when someone, I think she's 20 years old, uh, attempts to t- take her life, suddenly you have Chris Brown wading in and saying you're just looking for attention. He's an op. The shit thing is that Chris Brown, unfortunately, it has a lot of fans and like influences people with, with with a post like that. And people will actually like just take it for granted, and they'll be like, "Yeah, if Chris Brown says it, I'm like, you know, it's awful, it's strange, but like I've been in fucking like nightclubs where Chris Brown's song has come on, and everyone's been like, "Yay!" And you're just like, "Okay." This I is- couldn't home one of them. Like, I just really don't know what songs are supposed to have made him big because. Am I totally out of the loop? Is there anything I'm missing? I'd know one or two from back a while. But yeah. That's about it, if I'm perfectly I remember honest. he ruined the OC. I mean, here, <laughs> here's the thing, though. And, you know, I mean, like, this is obviously one of those perennial questions. But if, if Chris Brown brought out an absolute banger, yeah. right? And you're standing in a nightclub and you know he sings it and you watch everyone else dancing, do you not dance? Because of what he's done, because of the person that he is. At what Are point... we dancer? <laughs> Do we not dance? That was very, You're right, though. That was very Shakespeare. It, no, 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 it, it was quite. Do you not Do dance? Not dance? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if I cut you, do you not bleed? <laughs> if I put on banger, do you not dance? Yeah, no. Um, but, but still, nonetheless, I mean, at, at what point do we start to use that as being... Uh, you it's know, an age old thing. The it's barama- separating the, the artist from the art. I mean, he sings the hook on waves on. Sorry, apologize, Andrew. Um, Kanye's, you know, latest album. I really like that song. I think it's a great hook. I hate the fact that it's Chris Brown. Yeah, it is. Uh, like, it just reminds me of how awful he is. But um, uh, George Morahan, a uh, critic for State, that I did an excellent review of Life Pablo, and he had said before he was like, "I'm really wrestling with struggling with my, you know, like my my hatred of Chris Brown, but my love of waves. Like, you know, it's yeah. like it's it's and it is a great song. Like it is. And you know, I feel like I'm hypocritical because. It's very easy for me to just be like, what a tosser, because he's not doing music, I think, is sensational or genius. I mean, my album of last year was Compton by Dr. Dre. I mean, Dr. Dre, by all accounts, now is an upstanding citizen stuff, but he's got a history of violence against women, all this horrible stuff. Even in the bloody album, there's a terrible segue where just some bird is, like, shot and there's people drowning. It's just like, grow up a bit, mate. Yeah. Um, but yet, I love that album. I love his music. I, you know, I don't have sleepless nights over it. Um, so, yeah, totally hypocritical, but that's... I, 
can somehow separate his music from his, his actions years ago. It doesn't work like that with me for Chris Brown. He just yeah, well, the, instantly puts the, the other up. question is, and I think it's, it's D Brown, the name of the music journalist. Who's yeah, it was yeah. one of those alleged assaults, or, or I think definitive assaults. We can say at this point, um, you know, if her bruised mugshot had been on TMZ the following day, yeah. it's entirely possible we'd feel different different about Dr. Dre. So, Of course. Um, just one of those strange There's things. an interesting thing with Chris Brown. Uh, there's an R&B singer called um, uh, Tanash. I'm, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Okay. Uh, she's pretty good. And uh, she did an interview and I just saw the clip of this. I'm not sure how recent it was, but like someone was like, and how did Chris Brown come to be on that song? And she was like, oh, Chris just came in, like, he heard that verse, and, like, you know, like, like he just, he came in, and, and, like, he just put himself on it, and it was magic. Yeah, it was great. He just put himself on so, it. Something like that, yeah. And then she, like, then there's a little pause, and she puts her hand, like, over the side of her mouth, and she says to the interviewer, she goes, it wasn't me. The label put him on there. Uh, and you're just like, fuck. So, but the point is, someone, you know, with power in the music industry is still trying to make Chris Brown happen, is still trying to make Chris and Brown... And the thing is, like, you know, usually when a celebrity does something awful and it's very public, there's usually some kind of redemption or some arc where they're very contrite about <laughs> Not it. here. He's just been, like, acting like the victim since the Rihanna thing about it. It's probably about five or six years ago now. Mm. But even since then, he said quite homophobic stuff. He just, in interviews, he's always the victim. It's all about him and how he's getting on. Seems like a kind of nasty piece of work just judging interviews obviously I don't know the guy but um, there's been no kind of change in his character or anything he just seems like a, a bad dude if anything he's kind of embracing the bad boy thing it seems he so. has yeah yeah, he really has quite possibly continue um, wish we could move on from, from bad news at that point but uh, there, there is one more that we have to talk about which is uh, TXFM yeah, this is horrible news. Um, kind of came out of nowhere. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, TXFM, Dublin's kind of only really alternative music station. Yeah. It's been around. Actually, on the eve of its second birthday, uh, there was rumours that came out quite quickly and very very quickly were confirmed that they were effectively winding down. Um, yeah, they haven't applied for a licence. Um, yeah, they haven't so. applied to renew their licence. Uh, they will remain, on, at a time of recording, they'll remain on the air until October. And the weird thing is, like, I mean... I've had people kind of say to me, like, they, they just flat out don't get it because it seems quite popular. Anyone I know is fucking glued to that station, supports that station. Yeah. A lot of people are absolutely fucking crestfallen with this news. I haven't seen anyone, like, you know, granted, I haven't read, like, you know, below the journal because, you know, why would you? <laughs> but um, I haven't seen anybody, like, say, oh, good, good riddance. I haven't seen anyone be like, oh, you know, fuck them. Like, everyone's just like, oh, Jesus Christ, I listen to it every day. They such a and they do and I, the one thing I'll say like you know like I I, I don't I'm not going to claim to be an avid radio listener because I'm not like I I prefer my playlists I prefer making my own playlists and shit like, yeah you know, and that's just how I've always been um but I absolutely respect them and I respect the fact that they put together a very very solid crew like they like they had a very very good and they currently have and will until October at least have a very very good line of people because you got like you know Claire Beck you got Paul Donegan you got Northern Nine in there doing like a weekly show uh, Kieran from De La Rentos does a weekly show Nadine O'Regan does excellent yeah. work on there as well and like um, genuinely passionate people music lovers and just with kind of diverse tastes and their own things and none of these kind of stupid just generic playlists it, it's, it was a great is a great station it'll be sad to see you go but you know um, I mean, like, I find that, like, in this day and age, like, you know, fair enough, social media is social media, and, like, you have to have X amount of whatever. But, like, how many fucking radio stations do you see in their entire social media presence? It's just like, look at this funny picture of a dog. Uh, and yeah, it's got, like, nothing to fucking do with, you know, your station or whatever. And it's just like, you know, get the likes, get the people tagging you in and all that kind of shit. And I get it. But, like, I mean, this is a radio station that was very much trying to eke out an identity for itself. Mm. Seemed like it did. And then and now it's gone. Yeah, it had been succeeding, and obviously it was only on the air for two years, which is 
kind of a ridiculously short space of time when you think of how long some of the established competition has been there. Yeah. I mean, I suppose, you know, you say it's about the likes and about the retweets and all that. Ultimately, it's about the money. And, I mean, it just shows the commercial radio is very much going the way of print media or anything like that. Yeah. Down a, a very slippery slope. I mean, I was, I was shocked. I mean, the fact that a commercial station had to shut down was not the most amazing news to me. I can see why it would happen in this day and age. They have six employees. Yeah. Like six full-time employees. Full-time. So, yeah, yeah, sure. But what I mean is basically like... That shows you the state of play, really. Yeah. Yeah. And also the costs can't have been astronomical for a station like that. So, um, but maybe just the thing, you know, Dave, a supporter of the station, but you're kind of saying I wouldn't be a big radio guy, you know. Yeah, I mean, like, like, that's an asshole pref- thing for me to say. No, but it's, it's like, oh, great station. I don't listen to no, it. No, but it's, it's yeah, just the way radio, people so. consume music now. It's just, would you, do you want to go to a radio station? Yes, you'll probably like the presenters and, okay, you're going to hear new things. You're probably just going to go seek out stuff you want to listen to yourself. It's just kind of an easier route. It's just a... Yeah, like I don't a, drive as well. I mean, like, like, like yeah. so, like, that's another thing. Like, like I don't really commute too far sure. so I mean like and again like I, I'm just like my iPod or my phone or whatever is kind of glued to me like at this stage um, meanwhile course, Radio X still going strong that's the contrast <laughs> yeah. yeah that's the shitty contrast they should play more Oasis like, meanwhile yeah. I, I suppose one way and you know goodness if I had the right business model for this I wouldn't be hanging out with you losers no, um, but didn't see that coming no. did you second episode you know get, like, through that hurt. for these people maybe you know making some sort of curated playlists it's not going to be as time-consuming. Mm-hmm. It's not going yeah. to require as much sort of technological support, financial support, all the rest of it. Maybe that's something that, you know, is going to be the future, as it were. Um, maybe some sort of revised licensing laws in this country. They've been a shambles for, for years. It's volunteer know. and, you know, almost kind of semi-pirate radio yeah. stations popping up that can cater to these niche audiences without having to balance the books in the same way that major commercial stations do. It's hard to say exactly what the solution is going to be, but um, it's definitely sad to see. Yeah, and I hope, that everyone, I hope that everyone involved kind of lands on their feet because, as we said, they're very, very good people, very, very passionate people. And, we and need. very talented. I'm sure yeah. they'll be, you know, hopefully they'll be fine. But yeah, it's an, again another platform for, you know, new Irish music just gone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's on way with, sad news. sadly. Um, but uh, I mean, like, I don't know, like, as we talk about there, we talk about <laughs> passion, you know, and kind of people giving a shit. And that's kind of like, I guess, like kind of leads us into, there was a story this week, which I found quite fascinating. Um, I guess, long story short, there's a website called Art Rocker, um, yeah. and they published a review of the new Joy Formidable album. Joy Formidable, a quick round the table here. I think they're a fairly average middling band. They're okay, yeah. I actually reviewed their debut. Um, they didn't give out Did about they come it, after it was, you? No, it was six out of ten. It wasn't too glowing. Jesus. Like I said, at times they had all the subtlety of you know, like jock rock from the late 90s. Um, so yeah. Well, vitally, Craig, did you identify the flute? Okay. Well, look. Well, <laughs> let's uh, okay, yeah. let's clarify what we're talking about here. Uh, the Joy Formidable have a new album. The album's called Hitch, and basically they put up a post on their Facebook page, effectively ridiculing a, a, the writer of a review that they didn't like. And uh, and during the review, the writer kind of uses a phrase like which, while describing a flute, they're kind of you know don't really get to the point about it and they kind of they're like oh for this writer here's a picture of a flute and here's what it does it's, it's over 40,000 years old blah 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 uh, I want to read a Facebook post by a journalist called Dom Gourlay he writes for Drown and Sound amongst others and he says I quite like the Jor Formidable but they scored a massive own goal yesterday and unnecessary ridiculing a 16 year old writer for failing to recognise a flute in what was by and large a lukewarm review of their new album 
What they, cle- what they clearly feel to, uh, fail to realise or consider is the writer probably reviewed the album off a SoundCloud stream and therefore had no sleeve notes to refer to or informative press release of any kind. It's also unlikely Sheil had been paid for hours of time, her time, not theirs, spent listening and writing about said record. I accept that bands sometimes like to answer writers back where negative reviews or articles are concerned, but that's what the private message facility is there for. So to emblazon the piece in a prime spot on their Facebook page so every troll and his dog could administer their own savage kicking was bang out of order and will probably cost them coverage in that and other publications in the future. This kind of all stems from a piece that was written about on Clash Music um, by Robin Murray. Uh, it's effectively kind of saying like you know well why do people bother reviewing albums at all especially anymore as we just said you can you, you know you don't need the critics you don't need the radio you don't need anything you've yeah. got it it's all there for you you can make your own playlist you can make your own judgment you can listen to an album that happened to go out and spending 20 quid on it you know you used to be like you know you'd pick up a, a q magazine for example and you'd be like okay that got five stars maybe i'll go out and i'll spend my pocket yeah money on it's your only gauge so it kind of raised a wider debate about music criticism. And I mean, the Joy Formidable have responded and they kind of had a response, which is a bit, you know, it was kind of an I'm sorry, but, you know. They, it was a fairly veiled I'm sorry, to be fair. They kind of said right. that, first of all, that if you're a good music writer, you know that it comes with a responsibility. And that aside from opinion, that good writing deserves care and accuracy. And once you place your opinion in the public domain, you know that it's open, open to its own scrutiny, that people can agree agree or disagree with what you've written they also said that they had no idea that this art rocker journalist uh, was 16 and um, that they sort of even question art rocker for publishing the piece in the first place if they think that she's too young to be accountable for what she writes but they do say it was never personal to this writer Izzy uh, it was never personal and we wish you nothing but the best yeah I think you know they talk about okay you've got a responsibility to be accurate and you know you didn't identify this you know musical instrument if that same line had been in a review that was 10 out of 10 and glowing and the kind of context around that kind of I'm not sure it sounds like some weird kind of you know whistle thing um, but it's amazing would they have like posted I mean like this is fantastic review yeah probably not they're I- just butthurt I mean like it's, yeah. they're not saying this you know says a lot about the state of music criticism they were just saying, uh, fuck but also, you. Like, like, just I, like one thing. I mean, like for example, right? Like, how easy is it to misidentify something, especially now with all kinds of modern production? Oh, I'm for example, at it. remember, yeah, remember, like uh, last year, Block Party released the Love Within that single, and it has that like that, I couldn't identify that as music. Yeah, it has that sound where it's just like like that. Keep going, going. But the point is, everyone, including me at the time, went, "Jesus Christ, that fucking synth line." Turns out, it's not a synth; it's a guitar. I only found that out when I read the press notes when the album came out and I was sent the press notes like and I was like oh fuck okay well like you know the world and his dog thought it was a fucking synth line because it sounds like a synth line I mean how often if it like, sounds like a synth line you know what difference does it make as a listener if we're going to get into a situation where like you have to be scarily accurate about this fucking obscure instrument or whatever it was that was used I mean Jesus fucking Christ I mean like I, 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 I don't know about you guys but like when I write an album review and I think you guys are the same like I prefer to kind of like you know I prefer the subtext. I prefer, like, you know, kind of put my own narrative around it. I don't like referring to, like, and then the guitar does this, and then the drums are really good here. Yeah, because that thing isn't necessary anymore when, as you say, you can just play it as you're reading the review. Like, you know, it's it's just, you want that context, you want some kind of story around it. It's become more of a dialogue. Um, So, yeah, it's not just, like, here's exactly how the record sounds. So, yeah. That's probably like less relevant now in music journalism than it was in the past. So I mean, I guess the the kind of the real big question that the, particularly the Clash Music thing was trying to get at was, you know, are there necessities to critique music these days to be a music critic? 
do you um, have to have? Yeah, I, I, I think there should be in as much as in terms of quality control, because there was an uh, there was an article on Noisy Vice's kind of music website recently where they were like, "Is the album review dead?" Like, <laughs> yeah, no, there is this dead. Is this killing music? I feel type like thing. those articles are dead. It was a, it was an interesting piece. Um, it. I, I don't think it had everything I mean like, like it definitely had parts where I was like well no you're just wrong there but I mean like ultimately the argument it was making was as which again kind of what we've been making in general about everything is so widely accessible now that everyone everyone has a voice everyone goes on there how many name journalists can you name from this generation like who you're like well look I want to know what he thinks or she thinks there's no proper gatekeepers that have a this kind of level thing. of authority or, yeah. at the same time though I would argue that the cream rises to the top I would argue that like if you care enough about music journalism which yeah, I think which I think is both a viable and an, well I think it's a I think it's an honourable trade I don't know how viable it is anymore but I mean like in terms of making money from it but I mean I think overall I think it's an honourable profession I love reading reviews I love going to see a movie and then reading like the reviews I, I, I love you know Albums like whether if I, if I think an album is trash, I want to read other people reading about it. I think it's great. I want to read other people writing about it as well. And I would find that I I I, gen, I tend to gravitate towards better written stuff because I sure. care about what I want to read. What? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I know. guys. It, it sounds. Um, yeah. But ultimately, yeah, reading my stuff. Um, but I, but I kind of I, I I put the faith in the in the general public that they'll do the same, and that you know someone who writes a fairly well you know like people I say the general public <laughs> I mean, people, people who give a shit about people that who give a shit yeah you're right I, like like okay if you start reading a review and either it's terribly formatted or it doesn't make sense or it's clearly my first review yeah factual inaccuracy you're gonna fucking close it before you finish it like yeah. like you're not gonna finish it and and I, I think that you know so I'd like to think that yes the good stuff is being read. Yeah. By the same token, when you've got a 16-year-old that's like starting out, you know, when they were maybe starting out 15, 20 years ago, they might get something published. It'd be worked on, maybe it wouldn't quite get published. They wouldn't get the same feedback. Now it's just like the band is immediately just like, have at them. Well, you, know, yeah, I mean, you I might mean, scare the, them the off band ever improving. Like, how'd you ever improve if you can't make, you know, make mistakes as you're kind of... You say that, though, and I'll say this. I'll happily throw myself under the bus here because uh, we, have a, we have a mutual friend. His name is Harry. He's never going to listen to this. Um, hey, Harry. Hey, Harry. How's it going, man? And uh, Harry likes to remind people about the yearbook reviews, uh, the album reviews I had in, in our yearbook when we were in, in school. And he particularly likes to remind people that I closed off a five-star review of System of a Down's Toxicity with... Uh, uh, <laughs> I can't even say it. I can't even say it. With the question is, uh, best band in the world? No question. Oh, so there you, you go. I questions. mean, like, yeah, what a shock. I, as a teenager, uh, trying my first review, I was shit. I'm probably shit now, but I mean, I think I'm, I think I'm a bit better. But the point is, yeah, I, I think ultimately, yeah, like, you know, try it. Fucking, if you're not good at it, you'll get better. It kind of sucks if a band takes you to task in your yeah. first attempt when you're a teenager. Yeah, I've never had that. Um You've kind of had stuff close to it, like you know, people that might know band members. You've had comments, haven't you? Just when you've kind of been slightly, well, not harsh. You've given well, your opinion I've ha- on I've had, poor I've, records. I've or, had. Yeah. I've had I, I wish the Drain and Sand Common System wasn't done away with when they had the redesign because I reviewed the Stripes debut album. Yeah. when that came out in 2013, I want to say it was Lovely called S- Snapshot, and uh, I gave it three out of ten. Um, I described it as a meaningless and meritless vacuum, uh, like where music goes to die or something. And I think I was fair. But, you could um, also say that was a bunch of sixteen-year-olds first attempt. Fuck you! You know, you know, you, what? Said, you, you did that on purpose. <laughs> no. But the point, and the point, the point is, uh, their mother commented in the comments. Okay, they're f- uh, yeah, and she said, <laughs> she said. 
he's looked at my bio and she's like, oh, he likes Kanye West and, uh, sorry, Andrew Back and John. To Kanye. He, and, Kanye. And, and Nine Inch Nails and the Smashing Pumpkins. Of course he doesn't know anything about music. I'm like, yeah, only three of the most influential and most fucking interesting artists out there, whatever. I feel like we need to add a Kanye drop every time we mention him. Just we like a should, yeah. <laughs> Kanye. But the point is, you know, I, I, it was, I, I think someone came along and commented and they recognized her surname versus the singer surname and they're like, Jesus, they're like, very fucking rock and roll getting your mother after the reviewer, isn't it? Yeah. So I was validated then and I'm validated now because the Stripes' second album was Egg even podcast. worse. Look, you, you know, you know what. To be Mike fair, dropped. to be fair, I think I think it's a kind of an issue of of punching up. You know, they always it is. say, yeah, punch up. And so basically, like, if you've got a massive band attacking a sixteen-year-old journalist, that's not cool. At the same time, if you have some, and you know, even if there are massive journalists, if you have somebody for a massive publication taking apart, say, like you know, some fourteen-year-old child star or something bit unreasonable yeah. as well and by the same token you know to be slightly fair on the joy formidable if you were in a band you'd worked i think they spent about three years on this record you know it's very easily done where you just see your review as they said they didn't know the person was 16 they just go oh what you're criticizing my bloody word and then they just say something stupid online and it's just like it's easily done yeah um but they just came across how do you like feel how do you feel about bands and artists actually responding to criticism in any way i mean like it's their facebook page they can say what they want i mean best stay away from it i think yeah, a little bit. Anything. I, I think with some of the stuff that was written about it, especially, you know, it kind of all centered around, you know, like, oh, these are just passionate music fans and that's why we review music. And I'm, to, for me, I don't know, I think there needs to be a little more there. Um, like you guys know, I'm a massive sports fan and, you know, into my sports journalism as well. And there's that old thing in sports that you don't want to just be a fan with a laptop. Yeah, of course. And, you know, celebrating in the press box when your team is winning rather than the other side. Um I think it's got far more to do with actually taking on an objective view of things and, well, yeah, look, occasionally you're going to misidentify an instrument. That shouldn't be something to be hung, drawn and quartered about. But um, at the same time, there's a lot of bad journalism out there, so I can see why someone takes issue every now and then. It's... I don't know. There's Fair play to them for sides, using a flute. I think that's a you know massively underused. Instrument. I'm not going to. I'm not going to endorse that. And according to and according to that same interview, a bit ra- of Jethro Tull, a, ran- a random piano. <laughs> yeah. I think we should take a break there, and I think we should uh, we should introduce our new segment, which is the highly imaginative song of the week. It's the song of the week, everybody. Uh, this song is called "Beneath the Concrete," and it's by Luh.
That was the song of the week, guys. What do you think? I'm a big fan. Um, I liked I and I, which was the first track from these guys. Um, this kind of raised it up another notch. Very excited about the record. Yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, LUH is the new project from Ellery James Roberts, who was the singer in Woo Life, which is a much missed. I, I believe band. it's pronounced Luh. Is it pronounced Luh? He pronounces it Luh, but, but it's then a, it's again, a, it's he, an acronym he for... doesn't pronounce anything correctly, so I don't think he can go by, you know. I think he's from Manchester. Uh, it's an acronym for Lost, Lost Under, Under Heaven. Heaven. Yeah. Lost Under Heaven, which sounds like a Metal Gear Solid level or something. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, so some background. Uh, Woo Life was a band that released an album in 2011 called Go Tell Fire to the Mountain. Uh, we were huge fans, Craig. Yeah, it Played was... Played a lot in the Hot Press office. 
It's a great record. It was interesting seeing people talk about this new project and say that Woo Life didn't really live up to the hype. Including him. Yeah, with the record, I, I thought it was great. Um, remember in time, um, Nicky Wire, my boy Nicky Wire, but now him talking about, you know, if he was a teenager at that time, Woo Life would be the band that you become obsessed with. I thought they, they were, just had an aura around they something them about they delivered. Them, yeah, yeah. yeah, there was something special there. They played Whelan's and I, I had a ticket and I didn't go. Oh. And I was like, I'll catch them again. Did you go to see a better girl or something? Uh, yeah, uh, insert... Wistful <laughs> Elliot Smith song here, yeah. and me, you know, and then we can, yeah, 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 Craig, you want to know the best part of my day? <laughs> the best part of my day. So I'm gonna come up to that door, I'm gonna knock on that door, and you're not gonna answer. You know why? Because you made something yourself, man. Thanks, man. Okay, so is that the shins? Um, but no, okay, so yeah, Lu, <laughs> I suppose, as they might be called. Um, yeah, it's it's a side project that he uh, has with a lady by the name of Ebony Huron. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Um, yeah, she's Dutch. She's good. Yeah. His partner. And uh, they did an interview with Pitchfork recently. Pitchfork are championing the band. Of course they are. And uh, here's an excerpt from that interview. It says, uh, The origin story of Ellery James Roberts and Ebony Huron's romantic and artistic partnership is too bloody to be a meet-cute. They first crossed paths in October 2012 at a party in the sketchy part of Manchester where Roberts was living at the time. As she tells it, I was just sitting in the kitchen watching a movie, and Ellery came in, having just cut his wrist. He laughs. Not on purpose, he clarifies. Oh, good. Turns out Roberts had just taken part in a fight that involved the other guy smashing a wine bottle across taken his... Taken part in a fight. <laughs> taken part in a fight. <laughs> it was planned months in advance. That involved <laughs> the other guy smashing a wine bottle across his arm. It gave me a nice scar there that was a bit of a mess for a while, Roberts says. It also led to him running into Huron, a Dutch artist with a background in photography and film, and starting a new project with her called L or L U H or Lost Under Heaven. I like them slightly less now. I'm just going to say, but continue. <laughs> oh, wait for this! Wait, wait, wait for this, man. Best known as the impossibly craggy voice behind short-lived indie rockers Woo Life. Yeah, craggy, craggy. Roberts one. describes that first encounter with Huron in characteristically dramatic terms. Uh-huh. Suddenly, all that was once so concrete fell to sand again. Does he not dance? (laughs) Well, you know what? Funny you should say that, because in the song that you've just heard, uh, and in the ones that have been released so far, there's a massive air of positivity about him now. He seems like he's loving life. There is, yeah. They're they're partying anthems, to be perfectly honest. That's a fucking banger, that track, Beneath beneath the Concrete. Um, I saw a Guardian review of one of their recent gigs, and apparently all the material is nearly that strong. It sounds like it's kind of all over the place. Produced uh, with Hacks and Cloak, known okay. for quite yeah, sub yeah, and bassy yeah. stuff. But this is this is like this is club stuff. Yeah, and what's what, what's more, the album drops next month. I think it's in the I think so, it's in the first week of May. Yeah, so basically you're talking summer listening here. I'm extremely excited. I I I love his voice. He says in that interview as well. He kind of goes on to say like you know he's like I listened back to it. And I thought my vocals were fucking terrible. What was I thinking? I love those vocals. I love these Fantastic, vocals. Yeah. I think he's got a really interesting sound. And I think it's going to be, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be an album to, that we should all look out for. Fingers crossed. Oh, sorry. And also, watch Blue Life on David Letterman, particularly the last few minutes. <laughs> Is that your regular drummer? That's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I uh, hope you enjoyed. Let's move on. And we move on to uh, an album that we all gave a bit of time to this week. Too this much was, time. This was your choice. Was it Colm's choice? Well, no, it was kind of, I think we were kind of just talking about what albums were out and what was there and what was landing. And I said... How about we all listen to this and have a chat? Let's have a let's have a quick listen to a little bit of the lead single off this record. I love to hold you close tonight and always. I love to work up next to you. So we'll piss out the neighbors in the place that feels the tears, the place you lose your fears, yeah, reckless behavior. A place that is so good, so dirty and rough in the bed. 
Okay, that was Pillow Talk by Zane. Zane. Not by Zane. the way, I, d- I didn't realise his name is actually Zane with an I, but he spells it with a Y. As if Zane isn't well, cool enough. Well, if you look at the fucking track listing for this record and how it's been presented to yeah, us. spelling isn't a strong point, is Oh, it? God. Uppercase, lowercase, uppercase, lowercase. Like oh. he's like, like he's Prince, except you know, <laughs> rubbish. <laughs> uh, okay, so I guess this is the big album at the moment. I believe it has broken iTunes records by going to number one in 70 countries. I have to admit, by the way, and I mean, yeah, I work as a bloody music journalist, so this is bad. But yesterday... Because I'd been oh, your listening to Zane, so far away. no, because I'd been listening to Zane, and because I, frankly, just don't know a lot about One Direction, I listened to a few of the songs that they'd made without him for their last record. And so when my missus came home uh, humming the One Direction, hear that guy? He's got a he's got a girlfriend, thinly veiled. <laughs> yeah, he's got a girlfriend. Everybody. They live together. They live together. It's, it's disgusting. <laughs> it's, do you know what it is? Do you know what it is? It's pathetic. <laughs> it's crazy. Sorry, do, do I go in the Craven and Godless <laughs> corner with Vinny? Do I? <laughs> Get over there. When my missus came home, she was humming the, that song, uh, History. And I was like, ha, did you hear that song today as well? And she looked at me and was like, come, that song is played five times a day on every radio station in everywhere in the world. Wow. I wow. That passed me by. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Well, if, uh, if you haven't heard Steal My Girl, which he's on, that's a fucking belter. Yeah, but they're questionable all... lyrics, but it's an amazing pop song. Yeah, and they very much follow that sort of pop rocky sort of a, a template One Direction, I think. Yeah, I, to me like, again, I, yeah. I don't find One Direction offensive. I don't. We were out last night, we 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 had some drinks with a colleague of ours. Shared a few laughs. Uh, shout out to Dave Keane, who will also never listen to this. Um <laughs> and Dave Keane, you know, I love him to bits. He's a big Wheel Life fan as well. He's playing that record a lot in the office. He has no truck with manufactured pop music. Oh, I've never seen him so annoyed. Jesus so Christ, well I thought he was going to fucking punch me. <laughs> he was, well, he's, like, a, he's a gentle giant. He literally, we, we, we were saying, so yeah, we'll do the Zayn album review on the pod. And he went, are you fucking talking about Zayn Malik? Is yeah. that what you're doing? And we yeah. were like, yeah. And he's like, fucking. I was just, yeah. And, it, his uh, main uh, thing is that, you know, too much kind of, I guess, credit is given or too much focus is put on pop music now that is essentially the equivalent of what Stock, Aiken and Waterman were doing back in the day. It's like you can dress it up. You know, Zane's clearly gone a kind of weekendy direction. I mean, he claims, you know, this kind of alternative R&B is what he always wanted to do at One Direction. But essentially, Dave Keane's point was that actually, no, it's just a load of writers getting together to do some pretty melodies. And, and we've just been sold. And we've been production. sold like, you know, this cool guy, like, you know. Yeah photographs of him in like I think it was the fader and like on a motorbike and like you know obviously the fucking tattoos he's on the front of the Sunday Times uh, culture section and we keep hearing about like you know like uh, he's going to reinvent music well it's being kind of positioned as this Justin Timberlake kind of justified you know breakout thing it is the coming out party and you have to say that marketing have done a spectacular job Uh, what about the album guys I as far as coming out party is concerned, it reminded me more of a stag party. It was like, yeah, okay. Because it's like, somebody has said to Zane, you know, like, you know the way you say to a stag, you know, last night of freedom and shackles are still off and blah, blah, blah. And, and somehow just through a lack of originality and just force of habit, it always ends up with like nicknames in the back of your t-shirt and paying for lap dances and getting in a fight in a kebab shop. I'm very glad I've never been on one of these parties, man. I'm going, I'm going to Prague soon. But anyway. <laughs> that feels like what this record is. That, People said to him, oh, you're, you know, big first shot of freedom here. Yeah. Shackles are off. Oh, the record might as well be called, hey, guys, I like sex. Yeah. And drugs. And sometimes the two intermingle. He and tries incredibly hard. That's the thing. It's this, so try hard. Try hard is the try, word. Try hard yeah. is the sum up for this. You mentioned the weekend. This is diet weekend. Yeah. This is someone who wants to be the weekend so fucking badly it hurts. And, you know, I think 
I have... I think the first few tracks are okay. You're not as convinced as me. You know what? Here's the thing. Pillow Talk really grew me. When I first heard it, I was kind of like, is that it? Pillow Talk's an okay number. It's okay, but it's also... But man, it's one of those things where... I I, I feel like the production on the album isn't as strong as it needs to be. I feel like the writing isn't as strong as it needs to be. The writing definitely isn't Uh, there. I don't think he has the range or the presence to pull this off. I no. quite like his voice. Do you uh, like he does, it? Some of his phrasing at times is quite good, um, but I just don't think, yeah, the presence isn't there. Um, you know, he was always this shy kind of, you know, retiring one in one direction, didn't seem like he ever wanted to be there, which kind of immediately endeared me to him. Um, but that doesn't kind of make for a Justin Timberlake-style coming out party. It's just, if you've seen his recent performances, he's very much just clutching the mic and singing um, mm-hmm. looking like he doesn't want to be there like I watched um, that performance on I think it was Fallon yeah the roots yeah. backing him up and it's him doing It's You and I was like oh someone has studied Frank Ocean on Saturday Night Live haven't they yeah and he has Frank his Ocean's producer, producer. yeah, yeah uh, Malay is on there and like with that track It's You it's, I think it's the second proper song on the album and it just has this kind of throbbing beat it's quite slow and it just kind of that beat remains for the entire album. It just I like this it, drone, but it's a drone. Uh, yeah, it, it's it, immaculately done, but it's not going to make any imprint on you unless you really try. And that's and the other I thing is that it's almost too immaculately done. I mean, I disagree with the production that it's it's not well done enough. I think it's almost too well done. It's too shiny. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be personality here, and I think that's the most disappointing part of it because. You know, to be fair, I mean, say what you want about One Direction, about pop music and stuff like that, but. Zayn, I guess, everyone said he had potential. I mean, they said he was one of the most talented members of One Direction, one of the most interesting. Um, There was a lot of talk, a lot of talk. The rumours were like, you know, oh my God, those demos, he's doing something different. We haven't heard anything like this before. And he's got okay reviews so far, which I was kind of surprised by. But they've been kind of letting him off the hook. They've kind of been thumbs in the middle. I I think people really, really wanted this to be a thing. And also like Vice, for example. I mean, I'm sorry, guys. You can throw as many fucking fire emojis and call it as lit and try and make that word happen as much as you want as well. It's not happening. People <laughs> the aren't word buying lit. The word lit or the album. Uh, lit will probably happen. Uh, and Zane will happen. How many fire as... emojis did you use today, David? <laughs> uh, several. Yeah. No, several. I, I think you're right, though. Fire. People really wanted to see it happen. I think people wanted to see it happen in the sense that this would be the first time that we actually saw somebody go from their own person through the boy band process and out the other end. Robbie Williams? Well, no, because no one knows who Robbie was before Take That. Because One oh, Direction okay, were, perform- were formed oh, we on saw that yeah, we, saw we saw the production solo of the band. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That's a, yeah. Does that matter? Does, well, does, it, does that it, matter? It does to an extent, and I think well, part of the reason why it would is that it would give it a lot of well, people faith. We saw that with Nadine Coyle, and didn't her first album sell something <laughs> like 500 copies? <laughs> so, I don't know. Yeah, um, to an yeah, extent. On that, I think, on that world scale, yes. Yeah, and um, I think people would also have had faith that you know some of these, well, not necessarily One Direction, but some other bands and some other individuals can actually do good things when they break off on their own. Do, do we give them credit for, like, ditching the One Direction thing and going, okay, I've always wanted to... You yeah. Know, it's, it's interesting Absolutely. the music he always wanted to make was Look, the I, most popular I, music and, you know... I like the guy. Like, yeah. I, I wanted a better album. Yeah. That's I, want, I wanted a far better album. I wanted a better... And I kind and... of expected a better album. No, no, I, I, I'm written for the fucking dude. I mean, I, I don't agree. I'm, I'm a fan of fucking Fightstar and Charlie Simpson. I, do. I, I don't agree that someone, because they're in a boy band, should never then be allowed... Not be, you know, like, and listen, he's what 23, it's his first proper record. I mean, there's, there's you know, every he's got they, all the time in the world, yeah. but um, yeah, no, just I don't, I don't think he's had a lot to say on the record. Well, that's the thing, I mean, actually, it was trying to go for a weekend vibe, but it was just, you know, yeah, oh, he got the word fucking in the first song, <laughs> it's just, you know, again, the drink or, or the drugs and the blah 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 amnesia, it was just, 
I'd like to read oh. um I'd like to read like an excerpt from a review uh, that Tara Joshi wrote for The Quietus. I thought this was a pretty good one. Uh, she basically says on the subject of subtlety, the lead single was of course Worldwide Smash Pillow Talk. Um, the production is engagingly textured, his voice is even powerful, and the song is genuine is gratingly catchy. I think gratingly catchy is actually the, the best way to put it up. I didn't like it at first, but it really fucking grew on me, even yeah. if I didn't want to. Uh, lyrically, however, it is a point laughably, apparently unknowingly puerile, as though Zane genuinely believes that the hallmark of his newfound maturity is in his ability to talk about fucking a lot. So yeah. what you yeah. just said. Uh, this incidentally is something of a theme throughout the record. In a track with Kalani, the aforementioned Kalani, uh, he boasts, I'll get her wetter than ever. But maybe it's unfair to call him out when Miguel has a song about infidelity that refrains, tell me that pussy is mine. It's cartoonish, yes, but there's perhaps something to be said for getting to the point. Uh, Jay Sean and Ragav weren't exactly renowned wordsmiths either, but it's hardly, yeah. it's hardly as if all pop is poetry, and the conflation of Eastern and Western sounds can attain something important regardless. I think that's a fair, no, that, that's a fair point. That, like, that pop, right there is one interesting point here because the intro and the kind of interlude, I guess, yes, the middle yeah, track, yeah. Um, they're both sung in Urdu and they are by far the most sort of personality-driven 100%. nuggets on this if They form record. the basis for proper songs. Uh, you know, we could have been looking at something special. Yeah. And there is a point to be made that he's, you know, this British guy with an Asian background. You don't have too many people like that being world-famous pop stars. That's it the, would yeah. probably be, you know, good for a whole community if, if he did really take off. Yeah, there, yeah. Could, um, there could really be a lot here. And, and like I say, I think that's part of the disappointment that, you know, he could have said an awful lot there's instead a moment on, and unfortunately I can't remember exactly which track off the top of my head, but he literally goes, right now I'm emotional. <laughs> and you're just thinking, oh no, this is not working, mate. Sounds like a fucking typo negative vocal. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he, he doesn't do it like that, but I'm not going to try to attempt to do an impression of saying Malik on a podcast. Go on, do it. Uh, just a further crazy point again to go back to uh, Tara's review there she she says uh, in a time of scaremongering and isolation from the far right it's a welcome addition for a huge pop star to remind people that to be non-western or to be Muslim is not something scary it's a reassuring quiet politics that reaches out and he ought to be commended for it and I, I, I think that's totally fair and I think as well the fact that it's apparently broken iTunes records and gone to number one in so many countries that's a good thing it's a good indicator of yeah, people not know, caring about that shit anymore yeah, yeah, yeah. Fr- frankly I at, at the risk of sounding overtly politically correct or sort of trying hard to be politically correct, I don't think we should really be congratulating him for, you know, yeah. just yeah. being Muslim. It's a no, nice, of course kind of side, but it's I mean, a nice like, side effect, but the, you know, the headline here is the album disappointing. Yeah, but it's one of those yeah. things where it's like, like you look at Star Wars there and it's like fucking, you know, you have your main leads are female, black and Latino, respectively. Oh. It's nice that we're kind of moving away from that. But again, like Star Wars, three-star movie, Zane, Mind of Mine, three-star oh. three oh. album at best. I was about to say, we, <laughs> one thing that we've neglected to do is to decide how we're Gonna rank albums. Uh, uh, Star Wars characters. No, no. Uh, how will, yeah? How, how do you want to rank fire emojis? Like, does that work? For you? <laughs> I thought you were all but, against but the how fire many emojis. Fire emojis is lit or not quite lit? Are we going out of ten? <laughs> Slow burn. I reckon go out of ten. Out of ten. Um, okay. Out of ten. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say six. Uh, yeah, it's a six. I mean, it's a six. You wouldn't it's say it's a. It's not a horrible record. It's just doing nothing for me. Yeah, no, it's I'm, not a five because if I if I be like okay, the serious issues here. Seven is like. Hey, to, be, to be honest, I I give it a five. Would you go five? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just there's very little inspiring there. Okay, and I don't know. I feel as though there's so much good kind of that sort of pop R and B out there that. Yeah, it, it shouldn't have been that difficult yeah. to find something. But what was the official head stuff verdict? Well, you go on to head stuff music section right now listener and check out Joshua Hughes's review shout out to Joshua Hughes our boy big he's, Josh he's in Toronto we miss him every day 
I like the way you refer to the listener as singular there. That was very professional. That's how I think about the listener, as yeah. one collective hive mind. <laughs> okay, before we uh, head away, uh, let's go for our actual albums of the week. What got the thumbs up from you this week, Dave? Uh, well, if anyone who knows me, no surprise, I'm going with Explosions in the Sky's new record. I'm a huge fan. Um, it's called The Wilderness, and it's out now. Uh, they're playing in Vicar Street on the April on April the twentieth. It'll be my fourth time seeing them. If anyone is even in two minds about going to see them and can, I'd go. I think it's like less than thirty euro for a ticket. They're one of the best live bands I've ever seen. They make absolutely beautiful instrumental music, arguably the best. Mogwai have a new album out as well. They're obviously a contender. Saw them live last year. It was fucking unbelievable. Uh, it's a strong week. We have Explosions in the Sky. We have Pet Shop Boys. We have Yaysayer. We have Mogwai. Mm-hmm. But Explosion in the Sky gets my vote. Um, I think it's a beautiful record. I think it's their best record since 2003's The Earth Is Not a Cold Dead Place, and that's no mean praise indeed. Uh, they're absolutely terrific. If you got to listen to one track, listen to Dis- uh, Disintegration Anxiety. They're the kings of what they do. It's so good to hear them still doing it and doing it well. Nice. They are superb. I remember I first came across them actually when you were kind of saying if you've only half heard of them, get buy a ticket. I'd half heard of them at two o'clock on a Friday night when I met uh, Toby Carr, electronic Shout out to Clang. Toby Carr. <laughs> uh, Shout out to Toby Carr, who, by the way, sorry, uh, we should also mention he released an EP there about a week ago uh, called Gumbriel. It's excellent. It's cracking. It's uh, really good. It. Check it out. I will but, check um, it out. Yeah, an old school friend of mine. So when I bumped into him in Cork and he was kind of like, got a spare ticket to this gig, it's in Dublin tomorrow. Um, yeah, I was on a train about seven hours later, pretty much just on the strength of the recommendation. And uh, yeah, not one that I regretted, I must say. He's, nice. got a, he's got a girlfriend, he's friends with Toby Carr. He trains. He got on trains at two in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, man. man this about isn't about him. you, okay? This is not the Colin Regan podcast. Okay, look, I'm willing to cast the uh, spotlights elsewhere. Um, nominate an album of the week myself. It's not, to be fair, just released this week, but this is the first one that I sank my teeth in properly, which is the new Lucius record. Okay. Uh, good grief. Um, frankly, and I guess this is the modern age now, isn't it? It sounds like a road record in the fact that um, it's really technologically advanced. Okay. That they don't seem to have had time to actually Get sit down and, and, yeah, and, right. and to work like instrumentation out over a lengthy period. So kind of what a synth folk... Not Are like we inventing that. something brand new here? Sinful. Because that's kind of the direction that it goes. Did James Vincent McMorrow not invent that? I think he did. Yeah. And uh, don't forget, uh, Saint Sister have recently cornered the Atmos folk market. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. It, the, the They're folk very mar- good, the folk market is getting well. very crowded. Um, to be fair, I don't... I quite like this album, and I don't hate the fact that it sounds a little rushed and all the rest of it, because it's got fewer sort of pointed hooks okay. than their first record, but it's probably just got a few more nuggets to get into as you go along and that's why as I said I mean this was the first week that I managed to really get my teeth into it after giving it one or two listens before and uh, yeah rewarded for it and uh, of course they're playing in Dublin uh, on Tuesday night so as long as I don't get forced to go to Muse for work that's where you'll find me <laughs> wow we'll know what that review will be like as well <laughs> looking forward to that uh, I've seen Muse live twice oh, they're actually once good when, once fun once like, when they were know, good, Muse once were the first gig I ever went to Bon Jovi was How mine. old are you? <laughs> no, I, I was... I suppose, yeah, they haven't gone a long time. Yeah. They supported Ash in uh, the showgrounds in wow. court. I was 12. Wow. Jesus. It was 
like a month after the release of Origin of Symmetry or something like that. That's a good time to catch them. Yeah, uh, very much uh, so. I saw them on the Black Hills and Revelation store. They were fucking excellent. And I saw them uh, when they were touring the Resistance. No, Second Law, uh, which was the OK album in between two fucking awful records. And they were very good. Like, they're very good. Like, they know, they're kind of like, it's like you two. They know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah it's, you know? it's fun. I hope you get to go to the, the more indie band, though. Keep my cred up, Craig. What's your record of the week? Oh, does not be from this week, by the way. Okay, cool. Clarify. It's that. from this week, but it's not an album. It's a mixtape because Fuck. you know I'm keeping it real. Um, Young Thugs new mixtape is amazing. Slime season three. It's the final of the trilogy. Um, the trilogy kind of came about last year because he had this data breach where loads of tracks were kind of spilled all over the internet, and he's been kind of taking bits of those and remastering them, and just he wants to get his own say on the stuff that was kind of taken away from him. Um, he kind of launched this um, at South by Southwest with a kind of uh, funeral march uh, with a coffin saying the release date, and it seems to be pointed in the direction of he'll finally get around to now dropping his debut album. So this is kind of the last mixtape, um, and it's brilliant. It's it's eight tracks. Um, the first Slime Season one was kind of all over the place. Helter Skelter was like twice as long. Second had a more unified sound, and this again is very unified. Uh, London on the track is producing the whole thing, and it's just really sparse, just kind of gorgeous piano synth beats. Um, but it just allows him, it's quite simple, it allows Young Tug to just do what he does, which is just his phrasing and his flow. I, I don't even know if you can call it flow because it's so choppy and all over the place. It's that southern thing. He's, he's from Atlanta. If you're kind of pining still for Outcast, that kind of vibe, that nice bounce is there. It's really good fun. Every track's great. There's no filler, eight tracks. Um, and I think he's one of the most interesting voices um, and maybe not lyrically because it's a lot of it is just you know blowjobs on airplanes and him smoking kush. But actual voices, I think he's a, he's got a great sound. Um, he loves Little Wayne. He's his idol. So yeah, you can kind of call back to Little Wayne when he was really ripping stuff up. Young Tug is in that vein and definitely a mixtape worth sticking on. Sonny A tracks great. Very good. Very eloquent. I like that, Greg. Thanks, good man. Good job. <laughs> and I like the spread. I used to be a music journalist. <laughs> I, lo- I like the spread that we've had. From kind of instrumental post rock to young thug mixtapes, <laughs> that's <laughs> we, through a newly invented synth folk genre. So. Yeah, that's who we are. It's a journey. Um, I guess before we sign off, before we sign off, even once again, I just want to say thank you to anyone who listened to the first episode. I hope you're still listening. Uh, if you like the show, rate and review us on iTunes, and please subscribe. That, that that's the kind of thing. Um, we have no guests this week, of course. There will be more guests. We're going to be kind of you know sporadic about that kind of thing or who knows it could be like keep a keep people guessing keep people guessing that, that, that's kind of the way I say Vinny it Casey? Vinny Casey uh, <laughs> on the pod <laughs> it could be like a Matt Damon Jimmy Kimmel thing um, a long running kind of gag we'll see what happens but again like I say thank you so 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 much and uh, keep listening to play us out uh, for this episode I'm going to play a track by a band called Strange Attractor the track is called Got This Feeling I'm Dead and in their own words, they are a dynamic pop funk band formed in Dingle County, Kerry. In the three years together, they have played Electric Picnic, the Cork Jazz Festival, and have toured Germany, amongst many other performances. Since selling out the Pav in Cork for their album launch, they now hope to fill the Workman's Club for their single release on April the 11th. The band blend elements of pop, reggae, pop, and rock, and presumably more pop, to deliver high-energy, grooving performances. Um, yeah, listen. If you uh, if, if you want to send us music that we might play on the show, if it's good enough, we'll play it. Send it to music at headstuff dot org. Get in touch. This is Strange Attractor. This has got this feeling. I'm dead, and this is the end of the episode. That was no encore. There will be no encore. Thank you. I got this feeling I'm dead, but the people on the street keep on talking to me. I wish that they go away, so I could feel alive for even just a day. The whole
message, yeah. I don't think I found my own place to be a part of all this race. And I'm so lonely, I'm glad. Cause I live by myself, I can cry till I'm not sad. I jumped off a, a building today. And on my way, I missed the ground, yeah. You should have bought that empty sign. I jumped off a, a building today. And on my way, I missed the Should have heard that empty sound. I got this feeling, dead, Cause the pain of my existence is the people standing differences. Well, I would laugh, but I can't. Cause it's only till the poor rackles I don't understand. A people are so odd. So long. Told me yeah, you'll be so alone. I jumped off a building today, and on my way, I missed the ground. Yeah, you should have heard that empty sign. I jumped off a building today, and on my way, I missed the ground. Yeah, you should have heard that empty sign. I'm dead. It's not as if I woke up wrong side of the bed. You know I got these voices going round in my head. They keep talking to me, and this is what they say. podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Summer vacation, here we come. Yep, I packed the craft beers I got at Total Wine. Did you remember a bathing suit? No, but I did pack a bunch of summer wines. Whites, rosés, Zinfandels. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.